Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another book club. I am delighted to be joined by the fabulous Joe Caulfield, who has written a very funny and moving book called The Funny Thing About Death. Hello, Joe. Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Oh, I'm very, I'm very delighted to have you on. We we did a gig uh, in the summer. Uh, in Ealing together with, with uh, Alan Davies and uh, Moan Rizwan as well. Uh, we did remark about it being a sort of, apart from Moan being a, it could have been ha- taken place in the 1990s. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was lovely. Oh. To, it was lovely to see you again. It was, I, I, I that, that gig was, I, I hadn't, I haven't done much stand up recently and I, and it was like a thousand people uh, and it, and it was new material. So I felt very happy afterwards, but also, you know that feeling of you—you you were so in command. I think you're a very underrated uh, comedian, and and everything you do, really. I mean, you be you do you extremely good stand-up comedian. Do you still? I I kind of came off thinking, God, I understand why comedians go mental because the <laughs> when you do a, when you do a thousand people and it goes well, it's yes, it, and it, especially it, like if you were doing new that that yeah. satisfaction. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny, the feeling of it, because I, I remember a few years ago, I did a play and I really enjoyed doing the play. And I had to sort of do it every night in London. It was nice working with other people. And I thought, oh, gosh, this is civilized, isn't it? <laughs> this is really nice. And I worked hard on the play, um, but it wasn't hard work. It was just learning and saying. And um, and I thought, oh, this is really lovely. And I hadn't done a gig for a couple of weeks. And I thought, and I'm always like, oh, you've got to keep gigging, Joe. 
So I did a gig and, uh, oh my God, like all the nerves came back and I was like, oh my God, why do I do this? This is horrendous. What an awful way to make a living. I'm just going to do some little pub in Soho, but I'm like terrified. And then of course, when I did the gig, I came yeah. off going, that's why I do it. <laughs> like, because the feeling, you know, it's the yeah. all powerful feeling afterwards. It's just, you know, and you go, that's, that's why. Like the yeah. up and down are extreme, but the up is so much higher than other ups. Yes, it is. I mean, I you know, I kind of thought like the comedians, certainly in the nineties, a lot of comedians were on cocaine as well as performing. Yeah. And just thinking, what the hell? Why would they need cocaine on top of that? What kind of what kind of level are you reaching with coke on the top of that? I mean, it's sort of it's sort of the worst and best drug for cocaine for it. And I remember because I wasn't at the time, um, but what the people that were because they were so confident, yeah. but talking rubbish. You know? <laughs> and a lot of them did kind of tail off unless they stopped taking cocaine. They did, you know, because people were like, yeah, they're confident, but they're really talking absolute <laughs> shit. No. Well, that's so uh, the new generation of comedians are very, you know, don't, Terribly drink, pure. don't, don't, yes. drink, don't take drugs, work very hard, which isn't what this is all about. But anyway, let's talk about the book, um, which is, I really thought it was, terrific I, honestly i you know i didn't know uh, quite what to expect is your first book you've written is that right yeah yeah it is yeah, um yeah. And it's beautiful it's beautifully written joe but also i think you know you're 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 such an interesting uh character you're sort of no nonsense and quite caustic on stage and quite flippant on stage but you know there's there again seeing you with an audience you kind of realize how much the audience buy into you and love you and and get you because you you're, you're uh, but, but, you know, within this, but also this book shows a sort of vulnerable side of you as well, obviously, because uh, it's, well, you, you, mm. t- t- you tell us what, what, what it's about. Well, my sister, she was my older sister. She was five years old, nearly five years older than me. Um, so she died of cancer seven years ago now. So that was a whole, like my dad had died sort of while she was ill. But that, you know, but you're expecting that. Yeah. Um, but this was so and I've looked up to her so much. She was she was a writer. She was sort of quite wild and had her own ideas about things always since she was a little girl. She was like, well, I'm going to do this and everybody else is wrong about everything. And she was sort of like a dream big sister in many ways. You know, and I remember coming down to London um, to stay with her when I was like 14 and we sat outside in a cafe and we drank muscadet. And I remember just remember going, oh, what on earth is muscadet? How do you even know what that is? And I realized now I was drunk. But at the time I was going, oh, I feel so French. <laughs> and everything was, she did seem so interesting. And, uh, and so her dying was a whole like, God, I can't even comprehend how this person couldn't be in my life anymore. There was an awful lot to think about and that's how when I that's when I started the writing just to get the thoughts out of my head um, and then sort of put them out on Twitter more in a way to go. Are other, do other people feel like this when someone dies? Yeah, it didn't seem I couldn't comprehend that she had gone. That was the first part of it. And then sort of go then you I suppose you sort of recalibrate your relationship with somebody. You look back at things and, you know, because it wasn't it. it it's not a hagiography to her because we had troubles in our relationship. I always, I always adored her, but I felt from her side there was a problem with a younger sister. You know, I wasn't necessary, you know, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was doing perfectly fine. And then these other people came into the family. 
you know, so I think there was always a little bit of that, that we were there to do her bidding as children. Yeah. Um, and then, and how that develops, and she, and she was a, a bigger influence, you know, so that was another thought, like, would I, what would I have been like? You know, if she had, like, gone to university and been a sensible person and just got a job in a bank, would I now be a sensible person, you know, working in a bank no. instead of drifting around for years and being in a rockabilly band and going, oh, no, it's okay to be a waitress at 30. That's fine. Um, until, thank God, I found stand-up comedy. Um, so, you know, I had to think about that. Or maybe we were just both like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, that's what I, what I love about this book is there's so much going on because it's about Annie, which is... A, mm. a, so it is a lovely book about her, including some of her writing, which is one of which I wasn't uh, aware of her work before. So it's... It's great that you're sort of you're shining a light on that, but it's also about you and you're an, you're a, an equally wonderful woman and equally uh, fantastic writing. But it, you know, it's about coping with death. It's about mm. it's about sisters. It's about grieving. The, you know, I think and, and I think each and and also it's very funny as well. So you know, you you're, there's there's lots of funniest in it, which I think then you know points up the bits that aren't funny. That you know, sort of those those become stronger as a result of. Of of you you know re- you know you're remembering someone the good and the bad as you say and uh, but there's you know you cover alcoholism and uh, yeah you know, because so I many things it's, it's it's great I think it was important to because uh, I don't see it as the the good and the bad I see it as a whole person sure you know so that's and you could say it's faults but I think of, you, you know especially someone with any sort of addiction it's not their fault. No. It's something they just have. And especially if you're in the same family, you go, oh, thank God, I didn't have that to the extreme. Although that was when my husband went, but it took you 10 years to stop smoking. And I went, oh, God, it did take me a really long time to stop smoking. Um, so, yeah, maybe. So, And there's other people in the family with this gene. So you go, well, you were unlucky there. But all, So it's looking at, but also, uh, I suppose, looking at, it's unconditional love, isn't it, when you love somebody like that? When you go, well, I know why you're sometimes abrasive because you're, an, she was a bit of those people who are a bit somehow a bit of an open wound, so they can be very lash outy. Yeah. And but if you point that out to them, and she was very like this, if you go, well, that person was just saying, and she go, oh my god, were they? Oh, <laughs> and she would laugh because she would realise that she had completely overreacted to something, but she would always sort of see the funny side of that, and I think that's also when. Even in the worst times, things are funny, yeah. you know, and she was, uh, she was a very funny person and she was a funny writer. So that was also, so I'm jumping off now, because that was also important to go, well, this would be one thing I could do for her is to use her writing and then people would get to know her. And yeah. that is the best thing that some people have said, oh, I wanted to hear more of her voice. So I've looked up her books on Amazon and bought some of her books. So that's the thing, because you also want to do that when someone dies. You go, what can I do for them? Yeah. Uh, and even though, you know, we know I don't believe in anything else, but you can't help yourself but do want to do things. Um, so that was a thing. I thought, well, no, that is a definite thing that I can do for her. And also <laughs> little things like when we bought the, got the bench for her in Battersea Park, um, and I just knew how that would have appealed to her ego like she would, because she was very much always slightly looking outside herself, going, what is Annie Caulfield's life? You know, am I living this big life that I wanted to lead when I was a little girl? 
And so she would go, oh, I would love to be one of those people with benches, you know, <laughs> with a thing written on the bench. And, uh, and it was only when I, I thought, oh, you'll never get one in Battersea Park. And then when I, I just, it was Wandsworth Council. And it was one of those, there were several things like that when I was grieving that just seemed sort of seren, serendipitous that I phoned up and they went, oh, well, we've just put down new concrete bases. One's gone, there's one left. Right. And it was right by the pagoda where she used to go all the time. So wow. we got that. And it's a place where we can meet her partner and her best friends and I, and we meet and sit there as she would judging the people that go by. <laughs> and sometimes we go there and someone's on it and we're like, oh, she wouldn't like them. Let's stare at them till they get off it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, exactly. That, you know, that, that, it's lovely for that. But I think also just anyone who uh, is going through any of the, you know, any part of this. So uh, you know, like obviously, like I, I, my own puny cancer experience uh, made some of it in sh- in sort of sharp relief. Mm. But I think, but anyone going, you know, it's good, the grieving process. I talked to Carrie Lloyd about this. He's written a fabulous yeah. book about about grieving. But but you know, the grieving process is such a, a weird thing, and you're very. It's just you you take us through your own journey with this, like your denial, really about. Mm. Just about what was going on, your sort of belief for most of the time that she was going to be fine. I think you didn't realize yeah. she was going to die until you until it became very very obvious that she yeah. was going to die. But but you know it's it's so easy to deny, and then and then the the coping with that loss, uh, and uh, you know, and, and coping isn't the right word either because you don't cope. With, one does not cope with the loss. You know, one deals with the loss, I suppose, or you know, mm. or, or finds a way through it. But it's it, I think it's so useful. There's so many. Every chapter, I was just thinking, God, there's so many things to think about as a result. Of this. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so you know, yeah. you it, because it covers it covers a lot of bases. But then equally, you you know, I've looked back on the experience and I think, oh, there was all those funny stories about uh, you know talking to people at checkouts and being annoyed by them asking about yeah. your day and all that sort of stuff. So there's loads of humor in it. Uh, I love the stuff. I, I was again because I've shared this experience, but you talking about going hitchhiking with your sister in mm. this in the 70s and 80s I guess yeah. and just and just and I did that in the 80s and I can't believe what the <laughs> day the dangers we put ourselves in or that we are allowed to do it and you it's, you know you, your stories yeah. are pretty dangerous that what happened to you it's so funny they are dangerous and funny enough I talked to someone recently about them and it was a woman much younger than me so sort of maybe late 30s and her face was just absolute horror of like, oh, my God, this absolute trauma. And, and she went, oh, God, women were so unsafe. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it was all, I mean, what can you do? It was, it was a, this was very, and it was a huge adventure. I knew it was, I was 16. I knew it was a dumb thing to do. Yeah. But um, I also knew, well, it was a way to get around Europe. Um, but it turned out to be, of course, particularly lorry drivers, um thought oh there's two ladies on a motorway I know what they want um you know so in that way like you say that you didn't think of it and that thing of when I first came to London and my suitcase I was going to stay with her till I got a job and uh so I was 17 and uh, (laughs) I got out everything about the journey was like how naive is this woman so I'd lost my ticket and the guy at the tube station said to me Oh, I got out of Highgate. He went, oh, you got out on an archway, meaning I would only pay for that stop. 
Yeah. But me, I was, you know, I went, oh, no, I didn't. I got on at King's Cross. He went, oh, me winked. He went, I think you mean Archway. And I went, oh, no, actually. It's like, oh, my God, you idiot. And then um, my suitcase was heavy and a man stopped with a white van and I got in it. <laughs> and but he just took me to where I wanted to go and I got out and it was fine. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing that mostly, you know, it's sort of whether I'm, I, I look, my, my parents were protective and I was so naive when I, I, know, mm. I went all around Europe. Uh, and, you know, I guess most people were just nice, but but, but maybe, maybe they were just more realistic because obviously, I mean, some people did get killed and yeah. raped and, and whatever, but mostly people didn't. So yeah, you, yes. You, you, just think, <laughs> you just think, you know, it's, it's fine. Most people are not. Maybe that's a better way of looking at the world. Rather, yeah. than the way we, the, rather than the way we look at the world now is everyone who could ever pick you up is going to murder you and kill you. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, obviously you had a couple of, I had a few, I had my pen knife out in my pocket, you know, out, out of my hand ready to go a couple of times. And, and we, I think the last, the last lift we got picked up were like a middle-aged, like, we were two young lads, again, sort mm. of similar to you, but not in, maybe not in quite so much danger, but a little bit of danger. But a, a, a middle-aged lady picked us up and then she made me put my... She said, where are you going? She made me put the map out. And then she just basically plonked her finger onto my penis. And she obviously... <laughs> and I just thought it... But he, I was so naive, I just thought, you know, that, oh, that's a mistake. But she'd obviously... She said, oh, I drove past you a couple of times and then and you're still here, so I picked you up. And I think, like, this woman thought... I'm going to pick up these two boys and they're, yeah. going to, they're both going to want to fuck me. And we basically had two virgins in it. We were going, no, we're just trying to get back to Cheddar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there's, it, there was lots of funny, there were some threatening things and weird things. I mean, your, your mm. stories about it, are, you know, are, are, are terrifying, but it just, I don't know, maybe maybe it's better to think of, you know, maybe maybe there was a better way of looking at it in the 70s and 80s that, you know, that everyone wasn't a paedophile or a rapist, rather, rather than that there weren't any, rather than imagining everyone was. I don't know. It's because it, 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 the freedom of doing those things, you know, the, like you yes. say, you've got, you got those wonderful stories and wonderful memories, and the fear is actually quite a good thing to have been through. Um, yeah, and it gives you that, that instinct as well, yeah. you know, for what is a dangerous situation, which yeah. I think is, is good to have. Yeah. And the, I, I think the other thing in the, book that I that I felt I wasn't seeing anywhere else was my anger at this um the positivity around cancer (laughs) which is a terrible thing to be annoyed about but I remember sitting in the house and it was channel four stand up for cancer and the continuity announcer went and now because we've all had enough of cancer it's stand up to cancer and I was just like oh fuck off um that it seemed a bit of a dirty little secret that people were still dying of cancer and you weren't really allowed to say that people died of cancer you know because Annie's was a very late diagnosis so um, as much as she was, you know, being very positive about it, it was just running its course right through her and nothing was stopping it. Yeah. You know? But I didn't know that, which was was the weird thing because she told me not to look it up and I didn't. And I didn't know a lot about cancer. So I didn't know about stages even. I didn't know about lung cancer spreading, you know, and it spread to her brain. Um, and I think it was a weird thing of my brain protecting me her protecting me but that also protected her because I believe she she didn't want to see in my face that she was going to die yeah so I think that worked for both of us I mean it did mean you know (laughs) there were things in the hospice like you know I thought people were leaving (laughs) because they were better 
yeah. And we would joke about people not being in room, the room opposite and things like that. And I, you know, I didn't think they were dying. I really yeah. didn't. And there was that time when her partner, Martin, we were crossing Clapham Common. He was going to visit her. I was just leaving. And she had been a, she had been a bit grumpy. And I'd said something that annoyed her. And she snapped at me. And I went, oh, God, I can't do anything right today. And he went, yeah, well, she's dying, Joe. And yeah. I just thought... How rude. I, can't just, I literally thought, why on earth would he say that? Can't just yeah. come out with that. And Martin's, you know, lovely, lovely person. So I thought, well, that's not like him to be like that. It just would not go into my brain. Yeah. Which I think was was right for that time, weirdly. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it, that's, it, it's so interesting. And again, I think the honesty of it is so, it, it's so refreshing. Like both your anger but also, you know, you're you're admitting that, you know, that that uh, exactly what you've said there. But you know, it, it's the the honesty of the way the way through it, and and knowing, you know, the way you you had to walk on eggshells around, you know, to mm. to to around it for her and for you yeah. and for other people. And yeah, I think people will recognise it. And I think you know, and yeah, you're right. I think it, you know, it does it does need to be said that you can't say too much how brutal and um, yeah. you know, terrible cancer is. And I think uh, too much positivity. I mean, you know, my cancer book is a positive one in that hopefully I'm through it, but, you know, yeah. but, equally, but equally there's the, you know, but once you've had cancer, you know, we've all experienced, you know, n- nearly mm. everyone I know who's had cancer and died from cancer has had cancer, seemingly got better and then, and then died from cancer is the same thing where something has spread to somewhere else you know and or, or whatever and so it is you know even once you've been through that you, you're, you've still got that lingering fear yeah. so you know and, and so and, and again I think people don't talk about that enough I don't I think people don't talk about the emotional effects of post-cancer enough which I think this does and you know even survive even getting through cancer yeah I'm not going to say surviving cancer because it's kind of this is not what I would feel but getting through it I was fine for the first few months and then I think the year after I kind of you know I think psychologically it hit me more but then you know for the people who are left behind in this case for the people who are left behind that is equally mm. you 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 have to navigate your way through your own life and it, it is it's you know it is a it's a great it's a lovely way to honor her to, to have this book but I think there's so much more to it as well that's that I just think that the depth of this book is the, the you know the, your own right her writing's fantastic but your own writing as well is absolutely terrific but I guess because it's it's so lived and so felt that I guess I did you know did did was view was the writing a bit a cathartic was it difficult or did it just sort of spill out of you just with this? very cathartic very yeah. cathartic in terms of thinking through my thoughts about everything and my feelings um, and. Also, because she was a writer, I felt very close to her when I was writing it. And I remember thinking, oh, this is why she liked writing so much. Because this is completely different to writing stand-up. Writing stand-up, you don't know what you're doing. And you're sort of writing things down and hoping it'll be funny. And then you've said it on stage, so you go, all right, now I will put that on a computer because that is funny. But this I felt, I suppose I felt more, well, I'm not having to say it. There's not going to be an immediate reaction. So I've just got to write. I did. I, I read it out loud all the time because I was very conscious. I thought, don't suddenly start thinking you're a writer and write how you wouldn't speak. You know, don't suddenly go, well, in the year of our <laughs> Lord and get all sort of Dickensian and weird and yeah. use big language that you don't use. So I tried to I would read out a sentence and go and, if, and even like if, in my head, like a stand up, if there should be a laugh, 
is someone going to laugh at the end of that sentence? Um, so I thought it's got to be in my voice as I talk on stage. So I tried to do that. Um, and I rewrote it a lot because I, uh, I'm, I, because I'd never written a book. Um, I'm also, <laughs> I was also a bit conscious of Annie going, oh, so you're writing a book now, are you? Oh, little sister doing what I do. Um, so I thought, well, I better be, you know, I better really try and do this well. Um, so I did rewrite it a lot just because I thought, well, I haven't written a book. So don't presume you can write a book. Um, and then using her writing and, and getting the back and forth from the past to the present, which actually worked better than I thought in terms of I thought it would be very confusing. But I thought, oh, no, it's not because it's sort of picking aspects of her character. And then there might be an anecdote from childhood that sort of shows that. Yeah. So that uh, sort of worked better because at the beginning, I did it around our emails to each other over the time she was ill. They were like, I suppose, the building blocks. And then I did give it to her, an old agent of hers to read. Very lovely woman, Janet Fillingham. And um, she was very lovely about it. She said, well, it's gorgeous, but a sprawling mess. Um, <laughs> and she goes, the emails. And I had thought, oh, I think the emails are dull. Um, she goes, you're not ladies of letters. Uh, take them out. Right. So that was the best advice. And that was the only person I really asked. I got, she said, take those out. And then I said to her, I, this is a terrible thing to say. I said, I think the illness part is quite dull. And she went, oh, illness is, she was very, she was very partially. She went, illness is so dull. Uh, and she goes, and there's lots of books about illness. Um, so I thought, yeah, don't go into the day-to-day of um, yeah. the cancer treatments. Um, because also I think that's for the person who's been through it. Um, because I don't know how that felt yeah. Um, when she was having chemo and all of that and feeling sick and everything. So I thought, well, don't do that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, don't know what I'm saying now. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's so, uh, yeah, I did strangely enjoy writing it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But that, that's really interesting to get that part of the process. Um, is it something that... I mean, because your stand-up is not, you know, it's it's, no, it's about you, really. and it's, it's it doesn't go into this these sort of areas. Is this no. something you would ever do as doing it in stand-up? This this subject um, in in this in this show I'm doing in Edinburgh. Uh, it's funny. I did do. Um, I tried it as a show. In I went to do you know Always Be Comedy in London, yes. yeah. and it's a lovely little room, and I feel very like you know James who runs it is lovely. The audience feel, you just feel like you know them and they're very enthusiastic. So I felt this is a small, safe area. And I said to him, can I come along? Can I put some photos on slides and then just do it? Like I'll do 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I did an hour and I kind of followed through from our photos. uh, And it worked, it sort of worked. It was interesting. There was, I thought, oh, there's a lot here. And then I just thought, think about it, Joe. And I, and I left it and I was sort of preparing this show for Edinburgh. And I thought, I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to night after night revisit this. A book is different because you're doing it when you want to do it. But and also, I, thought, I don't know if I want to do that to other people. <laughs> that That's not what they've come for. They've come for the opposite. <laughs> I'm supposed to make them laugh. And this is going to make people cry and be upset. Um, and I thought, I don't want to do that. 
And then in this show, so this show is a stand-up show, but I do read a bit from the book. But funnily enough, it's the bit you mentioned about going into shops and people saying, how are you? And me getting really irritated because it was, especially when I'm traveling on tour and it was when we were going to scatter her ashes. Um, So that is the bit I'm reading. So it's funny, but then it does go to, how are you doing today? Not great. I scattered my sister's ashes this morning. And it's very interesting to see the reaction because I also thought of the age group of my audience, 45 plus uh, into their 70s as well. Everybody's lost somebody. And I think it is a big taboo, death. But I thought once you've experienced the grief, it's not a taboo to you. And you don't think, no, don't mention it. People are okay, And uh, and I've got some jokes afterwards because I wanted to sell the book because the money is all going to Macmillan. So we come out of it okay. I'm sort of careful with them. I mean, some people have have been upset, but they've just come up afterwards and told me who they've lost to several people with siblings. And you can have a hug or sometimes people just, they just want to tell you. And I just acknowledge it because that's all you want, isn't it? For someone to go, oh God, that's so terrible. I'm sorry. Um, And then we go on with the comedy and it's it's interesting. It's interesting that people are, are fine with it Some people are a bit like, oh, that was a bit raw because, but they don't mind being taken there. But I certainly wouldn't do that for an hour. That feels a different thing. And like I say, I feel the book did it. I don't think I want to do that, to to go there with that. And I think the book is a better way of finding out about Annie because I can tell these long stories and I can use her writing to tell people about her. So I think that was a better method than doing it in a show where you just make people miserable. <laughs> can see to it, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. Obviously, Ed Byrne has just uh, done a stand-up show that seems to be very successful about losing yeah. his brother. So it, yeah. it is, you know, and it is something that can be still, I can see, but, you know, for you, it's, that's what I love about this book, though, as well, because it's it's a glimpse <laughs> behind the the shield that is Joe Caulfield yeah. on stage, because, you know, you are, I, I, you know, but it's such a, your character on stage is so subtle and clever, and I having read this book, I've thought about it a lot more than I think I had done before, because it is this, you know, you're, it, people love you on stage because even though you're being quite catty and caustic, mm. because they, because they see the inner Joe Caulfield in this. I think in this book, we see a lot more of the inner Joe Caulfield, but we get yeah. an idea, we get a sort of glimpse of it in the stand up. Whereas in this, it is sort of fascinating to see the real person behind the, the stand up persona. Which I, and I don't think your stand-up persona is that different than you in real life either, but the, but you are a, yeah, you're, you're, you're guarded. Yeah. yeah, and it's just that aspect of your personality that you you don't show because I'm yeah. very I'm very like I, they've come here to have a laugh. Yeah, you know. So I, I and I think and also I think especially also because I'm older, I think people just know oh she'll have been through some shit, you know. <laughs> So even though she's being all like, look, you know, look at me, bam, bam, you, you know, they know, you know, behind it, there's got to be some terrible tragedy. <laughs> um, that, that there's, that, uh, you know, I can't say it, but I, but I go, well, I know they must see a warmth, or I wouldn't be able to get away with saying some of the things I say to people. Sure, you know that they know she's joking. She's not really that person. You know yes. that that is underneath. But I've. Uh, uh, I'm not into, you know, the tears of a clown. 
um, because I think that's not my job. But in this instance this year, then there is, there's a little peek in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think a book is a fan, you know, but a book is a fantastic way to yeah, explore absolutely. these things. You know, again, my experience is I've done the book first and now I'm, t- I'm now I'm turning mine into a stand up show as well. And it is a but they're very different things, you know, and you, you and you're aiming for for different stuff. And I think, you know, more comedians and more comedians seem to be realizing it. And comedians mm. generally are pretty good at, you know, organizing and writing something and being creative. But I think this is it's such a. You know, there's five Edinburgh shows in, in this book you know, I think, <laughs> because you could you could do it, all the different stages you're going through and all the different things you're thinking. It's you know, but I think to do it as a book is absolutely perfect, and the audio book is uh, is a, is a great way of enjoying it as well. I think you know you you, you do it uh, brilliantly. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I wanted to talk to you about, um, I noticed in early reports of this uh, book, it was called... Uh, you wore it first uh, yes. when it when it when it was announced, and now obviously you've called the called it the funny thing about death. What? How? Why did you Why did you change your mind about that? And and how difficult was it coming up with the right title for this book? Uh, the publicity people. <laughs> <laughs> My idea was you wore it first um, because of you know always wearing Annie's clothes. Yeah, and, yeah. you know um, that was what people did then. It, it it wasn't even people didn't think of it as a poverty thing. It was just like clothes were very expensive in the sixties and seventies, and so you wore you know your brothers and sisters' clothes. So and it was I also finding some dresses that my mum had kept. That I thought, oh my god, and you know we had both really loved that dress, but the publishers thought that it didn't bring in enough of who I was. It doesn't say well, this is a funny person who's written a book. One of them said, what oh, it sounds, it's more like about fashion, that you're going to go into fashion, the pair of you, you know. <laughs> and then we had a, a, one of those, and then me and my editor, who I really love and got on with fantastically, Alison Ray, we had a meeting in a pub and, and we got one, one of those really long titles, you know, something like, <laughs> oh, you know, Rebel Sister cigarettes and something else you know one of those kind of it's like subtitly titles that we were thrilled with and thought well that sounds really cool and great but again it didn't really say and then they had a meeting and remember Alison saying she thought of the title right and she said I pitched it and they all immediately went that's it because it says 
about because Joe's funny, she's a comedian, and it says there's going to be death. And to be honest, I was horrified because I just thought it's too brutal. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm used to it now, but for, and it took me a while. I just went, oh God, that's oh, and I suppose because it's my sister and it's us on the cover, and you're going, oh, funny thing, it's not funny. Um, and then now, but I thought, no, they're right because it does put the two things and I couldn't come up with a better alternative but I was I couldn't say it for a while I thought, right. that's gonna be a problem I can't say the title of my own book because something about it as abrasive as some of the book is I thought that was too much yeah and I you know I remember saying it to and I sent it to a couple of people in a couple of comics I said what do you think and they went it's great, Joe. And I was like, oh, is it? <laughs> and I kind of felt, well, I'm going to go with their judgment, but I'm not comfortable. And now I'm very comfortable with it. And good, like, good. It's yeah. a lovely name. Yeah. Good. It's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I've had, they, um, with my book, The Problem With Men, that was the editor's mm. idea to call it that. And I, did, and I, I, I didn't like it because it was about International Men's Day. I just wanted to, you know, mm. I just wanted to call it who's, when's International Men's Day or, yeah. or something like that. And then I had quite a long convoluted title for it, which had, which had no Nov 19 in the, <laughs> in the, <laughs> in the title, uh, which I thought might be quite funny. Um, but I, I'm still not sure because I think like for that book, I think it was very much important that m- men read it. And like my yeah. fear was calling it the problem with men would make men go, well, there's no problem. I mean, and I, I can go because, well, I don't say what the problem is. The problem might be that we're too brilliant. You know, re, you have to read yeah. the book to find out. But it definitely it definitely put off some of the men who I think might have benefited from reading it. Or should but, read it. Yeah, but whether, yeah. They, whether they ever would have. Whereas I think if I'd called it yeah. Wednesday International Men's Day, people were going, oh, that's that thing and let's buy that for, you know, and then that, it might have ended up being get, going to more of the people it should have gone to. But who knows? I think you have to sort of trust the people who yeah. are putting the, putting the books out, really. Because it, it's, think, yeah. it's yeah. hard as a comedian, though, right? Because we're so used to making our own decisions and and, and and being in charge of our own acts. So for someone to come in and take the title and, and put their own title on it, I think is is a big thing to overcome, like, as a yeah. creative person. Yeah, but I think my instinct was, you know, although I'm shocked and I thought, like, they do, they do know better than me on this and let's go with that. You know, because I think, like, most of the time I spend my time going... Why does nobody know how to do their job? <laughs> you know, and I constantly sort of second check, I, I double check everything, and all, and the whole process of having a book out and selling a book is is a, is a new unknown to me as well. Like, because I'm on tour afterwards, and I got obsessed with the logistics of, but how do I get the books? You know, I can't. Uh, I, I'm living in Edinburgh. I can't. When I'm in, I'm doing Falmouth. How do I get books? Yes. And then they said to me, oh, no, we arranged a local bookshop will come. I'm like, but will they? <laughs> I, and then I've got to I've got to go, and then for me as a control freak, I'm going, so then I'll be at my show going, well, is the local bookshop coming? Are they here? <laughs> but uh, but I've been so reassured, and uh, um, the lady at Berlin Publishing, Ellen, has been brilliant, and go, no, and they're really keen, Joe, because you have an audience who will then buy books and yeah. they run a shop. So <laughs> they will come and they will bring the books. And that was, you know, cause I was, uh, so, well, we'll see uh, well, what happens with that. See, I buy, cause I uh, presume you're traveling by train a lot. Are you, or you, do you drive? Yes. Yeah, oh, I do. I do drive. So I'll, but I'll do sort of Yorkshire, but I'm sort of below that. I, that's too far. I'm not yeah, certainly not driving to, 
to Devon or yeah. I was going, well, I might do, I'd get a train and then a higher car, but I can't take the books then on the train and blah. <laughs> uh, and also just for the Macmillan thing, of course, it's it would not, yeah. be, yeah, it would be much, it's just easier to keep track of everything. So what it is, funny enough, one of the publishers also has a bookshop. So I'm doing, I have my little, what do you call those? Smart card readers to yes. pay. Yeah. So everything is going through his shop. Right. Um, so that's a way of me keeping track when I am selling it out and about. Yes, that is yeah. a, that's a, I mean, that is a wonderful uh, thing to do to give your profits all to charity because writing a book is a lot of work, Joe. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific thing to, is it the, is it the profits beyond what you've been, you've been paid to write it or is it, are you giving everything? All, 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 all profits. And it's because they did, um, I had to sign a, contract with Macmillan because I said I want to do this and Macmillan were like oh right well we have to find the way to do this legally otherwise everybody could just say you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. <giving their> <laughs> um, so yes I mean I mean there's, there's then the stipulations like if anyone optioned it for a film or something then you know they just have the book rights and they have it for five years right um, so um, and then so it's everything yeah but yeah. also I because I'd written it over a long period of time you know I started writing it like I'm couple of months after she died yeah. and then left it and then did more and then you know and then there was covid so i was writing it then when i didn't have much else to do so in that way it's not like i've gone well i've stopped working for four months in order to write this i mean of course part of me is going well, what if it's really <laughs> successful <laughs> i'm given so much money to much melon <laughs> um but it did make me think oh i'll write i want to write another book obviously now yeah. now i've had a taste for it i think oh i could think i could write another book um not about this but that that has a bit more like you say of the the deeper part of me that i can get out yeah. Um, to put in a, another book and maybe I'll keep the profits from that. Good. But well, I, I hope... I, just, I, hope I couldn't you. profit from it. It just felt very wrong, you know. I, I know, but it's still... Even most people wouldn't do that. It's I, Weirdly, Macmillan, I have issues with Macmillan, but they're only uh, uh, mainly comedic. But in my book, I'd slag them off because <laughs> they... Cause they, they um, I, I raise money for, for some other charities. Yeah, through through this as well. But with... With talking, when I did Talking Cock, I, I, I approached Macmillan and said, "I'm going to do a program for Talking Cock, mm. uh, and and would you like to have the proceeds from it?" And they said, "What do you want from us?" I said, "Nothing," and they said, "We'll we'll get back, we'll get back to you." And they came back and said, "We don't want to be associated with your show." <laughs> <laughs> and so and so then, only a bit of the show was that. So then afterwards, yeah. I, I collected for them anyway and gave them yeah. the money anyway, uh, and then. And then afterwards, I sent them all the rave reviews of this show saying what an important show it was and how it wasn't what they thought it was. And they still said they didn't want anything to do with it. So the reason I've ended up doing the scope was because Macmillan... So the next 15, 20 years, I did these collections for scope that could have all gone to Macmillan. So I write about, I write about that in my book. So it's good that you're raising money for them because they've lost about 350 grand from, from not supporting me. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You see, my experience, I mean, they were incredibly helpful to Annie. Um, and yeah. also with the hospice, they found the place in the hospice. And we, we did do a couple of gigs um, to raise money for the hospice because it's really hard for them to raise money. Yeah. And I bumped into a woman at some charity thing I was at and she worked for Columbus Hospice. And she said, oh, you know, the cat and dog people get all the money because they've got a happy story. You know, they've got, oh, look at the kitten in the new home. And people go, oh, we'll give you money. She says, We've, you know, what can we put up? Pictures of people dying. 
you know, yeah. and it's it's very difficult for them to have a happy story. And also because people are using a lot of their money now for care, they don't get the legacies they used to get. But Mamillan have been incredibly helpful and just and yeah. made it easy for me to uh, to raise money. You know, so uh, yeah, and they haven't uh, they haven't asked anything about the book or any sort of control <laughs> issues. They didn't, or anything. they didn't check to check. Yeah. Is this- can we just check it? Your act is appropriate. I think it was, you know, I've talked to other yeah. people from Million the Bucks. I've all, since then. I always have just because you get so many charity requests, right? You kind of yeah. think, well, I'm not, I'm not. That makes it it's easy. Another, it's another charity. <laughs> I'll do another charity. Yeah, but but uh, but you know, like it's it is interesting because sometimes someone will get in touch and say, "We do this for Million." I'll go, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I explain yeah. why, and then they go, "Oh, well, I'm really sorry." You know, so I think it's it's literally one person making. Yeah, you, know, you, you can you can sort of understand it but there we go well with me it was um they contacted <laughs> me because i did celebrity mastermind shortly after she died and i did for Macmillan. yeah so then they they get in touch because they're very good at fundraising and they said they said about the Macmillan coffee morning and i had this meeting with this very nice person and i went oh god they make me sick those <laughs> and and I said, oh, I did. I was, it's so not me, cake and coffee morning. And then she told me how much money they raised. And I went, well, that is fantastic. <laughs> I can't do that. So I did a very long walk instead, <laughs> which was much harder. Very good. Um, I did also notice, uh, we will, we'll, we'll wrap up in a sec, but uh, I did notice that when, you were, when this book, again, was in the early stages, you were talking about writing a book of advice to stand-ups about how to do stand-up. Is that something you're still considering or did you ever consider it? Um, you sort of, I did consider it, uh, like, because I used to have that thing on my website. Um, yeah. Uh, what I've learned uh, being yeah, a comedian. Was, and some of it is that, some of it is uh, more, you know, how to survive traveling all the time and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and other comedians wrote, I would say, would you write what you've learned? And they wrote really, really funny things. And then, to be honest, I found out some people who were teaching stand-up were just using that because some new <laughs> open spots went, oh, I really liked your thing because my teacher used it. I'm like, I don't know about that because I'm also <laughs> weird about people even teaching stand-up. Um, so, uh, so I kind of stopped doing it. Right. And, um, and I think there's something more in the maybe right about the sort of journey of it, uh, but it's also how people misunderstood stand stand up so much. I feel, um, especially when you know when you get interviewed about it and you go, oh god, like when people go, so when did you decide? You go, you don't decide to be a comedian. <laughs> it's a, it's a very odd. Pr- I mean, I think people do now because it's a thing, isn't it? But when yeah. we started wasn't a thing really no. it was just like well, I like being funny oh there's a room you can go in and try and be funny oh I'll do that but you know there's there's not a plan so I think it I think the next book won't be that but there'll be some of that in there but right. it'll be more you know here's my uh, pompous views on this and here's some more pompous <laughs> views on that sort of thing and why I hate most things yeah. <laughs> good well there is a bit about stand-up in the uh in, in the funny thing about death as well because it is about you know it's about what you were doing and yeah um, you know and that but that is it's a weird thing and I think about that quite often and so far uh really I haven't had anything bad enough happen to me that I've had to decide to carry on or stop you know well, but you've like, had cancer yeah, That's but, bad. But, I, but i carry but like i haven't been in the middle of a tour and something's happened yeah. because it's the yeah. weird thing about being a stand-up you're in the middle of the tour your your sister's very ill you can't just go oh well i'll stop the tour and be with her because she wouldn't like it but also yeah you have, you have to live 
but equally, you know, it, that's a, it's a strange thing about show business, I suppose, that nearly always you have to carry on. I mean, you can cancel some gigs if someone has literally just died, I think is probably, is probably it, isn't it? But Yeah, um, which is uh, the weird thing, because actually you should cancel them before they die. Yeah, of course. You know, because I was thinking about that weirdly. My mother is now very, she's not ill, but she's very old. And I yes. keep thinking about, you know, well, now's the time I should be with her because I'm terrified that she's going to die mid-festival and then I'll go I mean she's perfectly fine but she's yes. 90, 92 yes um so you, it's on your mind then as your parents get older and how they're doing and everything um but you can't you know s- stop living your life so. no I mean no. I suppose that's true of any job but it, I guess a job yeah. where you are where you, it is sort of weird well, they bought when... tickets they've got babies <laughs> all those things yeah that you're, you're inconvenience people because they can't say oh we've got the supply comedian in <laughs> you know? so we've got a temp in they can, yeah. <laughs> they can have a crack at this yeah uh, and yeah and it's uh, you know but, but equally you could be even you could be very sad and worried about something but i think it is there's a catharsis to just being a comedian isn't there you go you go yeah. on stage and you forget about what else is going yeah. on really nearly always right you, you nearly always aren't thinking about whatever else is going on in life because being a comedian isn't it's sort of like stepping outside of life for a little yes. bit <laughs> yeah completely yeah. And, I, and I found that and I thought you know people because that was a question people asked oh it must be hard to go on and be funny and I was like I don't want to say really not <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a dream that I get to do this and feel good and have that adrenaline rush which is helping you through as well you know that's what you know, sort of that's the same as doing sport or something that is making you feel good. Um, so I think it, you know, hugely helped. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, look, Joe, it's such a terrific book. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, thank you. I'm sure it's going to do brilliantly. Um, and uh, there's, you know, like I say, it's funny, it's thought provoking, and I think it will be also very helpful to people. And also, if you buy it, you're helping Macmillan, which who are not my favourite charity in the world, but. <laughs> But that's still a good thing, which will help. And that, <laughs> and you'll probably you'll probably get cancer. I'm talking to everyone, Joe, not just you. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you'll probably Thanks. get cancer. You'll probably get cancer at some point. So if you buy this book, you might actually be helping yourself. That's uh, I. That's did, a good point. Good point. I, yeah. I did. I did Movember six weeks before I found out I had testicular cancer, which is. Interesting because I didn't check myself at all during November, despite doing <laughs> And uh, but you know I raised quite a few grand, but then I was just helping pay for myself, and I so you know ka-ching. Yeah. So yeah, do charity in the hope that it helps yourself yourself down That's the line. It. Selfish charity, we're all for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do go out and buy uh, the uh, funny thing about death by Joe Caulfield. I do recommend the the audio book, but. You miss out on the, some lovely photos in the book as well that are very nice that I've just been looking at as well. So it's nice. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a really beautiful book. So well done, Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you to Chris Evans again, coping with some technical difficulties and Ben, <laughs> ben Evans, not that one as well. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback 
slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.